It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to Argyle Chat, the Plymouth Argyle podcast brought to you by the Herald Sports Desk. Welcome to this week's show where we'll look back on Saturday's one-all draw at Harleypool United. Joining me in the studio today are our podcast podcast regulars, Chris Arrington and Jack Ball. Hey guys. Good, Good morning. Good morning to you. So, after the joy of a Devon Derby win last weekend, perhaps not the results Argyle would have wanted with a surprise defeat at home to Orient and a draw at Harleypool on Saturday. So, um, let's start off with you first, Jack, and Orient, because I know you are at that game, weren't you? Um, bad night at the office for Argyle? Started off not too not too badly. Obviously, um, injuries to Sarsavich and Bradley, I think, really hindered the team that night. I think they just weren't the same after Sonny Bradley went off. We've all spoken about how well we think he's done um, this season, and Bovitas came in after quite a long spell out, and it was clear he was quite off the pace. And I think that was one of the issues. The referee didn't help. Not that I blame the referee for the result. Argyle should have gone on and, got, and tried to get a result, but the referee I thought was poor. Um, Lace Night were quite a physical team. Actually, taking away the physical side, I thought they were one of the better teams I've seen at home park this season, which have come to doubt of the game. They don't didn't, to me, look like a team that was struggling in the bottom two. But, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a bad night at the office. And I'm, I've always said that I don't get too carried away after one or two results, you know. And I think if you look at the table, and I think that's what you've got to do now with however many games there are left, if we're still where we are with the same sort of gap, it's one game closer to the, the end line and one game closer to the goal. Yeah, it kind of sums up League Two, really, doesn't it? You know, Orient go down to Argyle and win three two, and then lose at home to Notts County on Saturday. It's the unpredictable nature, I guess, Chris, of um, of League Two. Yes, you, you're a brave man if you try and predict results <laughs> in, in League Two. You really are. Um, Leighton Orient were very good. I mean, Gavin Massey, mm. if you were there at Home Park on on that Tuesday night, put in one of the best performances I think we've seen uh, from uh, from anybody at Home Park this season. I think uh, Luton on the first day of the season were pretty sharp with Marriott and Hilton up front, but. Gavin Massey was almost unplayable that day and you, you look at Orient and that night and you think well that really gives them something to build on and then like you say Stu they go and lose to, to Notts County so um, yeah it was just one of those nights nothing really works Matt Kennedy scored a goal put them 2-1 up had another chance hit the post that had gone in 3-1 up they'd have been home and dry yeah. but you know fine margins in football and um, yeah it was a disappointing one so it was important that they went to Hartlepool and at least got something out of the game I think yeah, I guess the big sort of, or the plus point for Argyle going into that game on Saturday was, uh, and you touched on it earlier, Jack, Sonny Bradley obviously limped off against Orient. Looked like he could have been out for a while. So was it a surprise for you, Chris, to see him lining up up at Victoria Park? Yeah, well, you know, having seen him limp out on um, Tuesday, it didn't look very promising. Sarsovic as well going off, and you thought, crikey, if those two are out for an extended period of time, that would be a blow because they... Uh, their key players. Um, fortunately, Bradley was back um, for the trip to Hartlepool and, and played um, played pretty well in the circumstances because uh, I suspect he must have had a fair bit of treatment in the lead up to that game. Uh, Sarsovic obviously didn't play, didn't travel to to Hartlepool, but um, sounds as though he might have a chance for the away game against Luton, which would be a boost. So um, yeah, I mean, it was it was the two things against Thorin. It was disappointing to to lose having led two one in the eighty eighth minute. But then to potentially have lost two key players for a long time would have 
sort of made it feel worse. So the fact that those two aren't going to be out for too long is, is, is some consolation. Yeah, indeed. And as you say, important that Argyle responded up at Hartlepool and, and got something out of the game. Um, Matt Kennedy, cracking goal, very similar really to uh, Massey's against Argyle. Blake Norian. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's had a fantastic start. Three goals and an assist in four games. And um, it was interesting talking to him afterwards. And he, he said that he's been practising on cutting inside, getting onto his right foot and getting shots in. And, you know, I used the intro, you know, practice makes perfect. And that's it's a good example, isn't it? Because yeah. people, I think, sometimes, you know, wonder what the players do in training each day. And, and you know, apart from running around and sort of trying to generally stay fit and uh, just a little insight from him just on how he's been working on that working on that and you know hard work's paid off because he's got two very similar goals it was a it was a cracking strike um, you know it looked as though Argyle were just going to batter the door but not get anywhere and um, it took that bit of uh, you know individual skill and brilliance to get them the point at, um, up at Hartlepool and you know he, he's done really he's done really well I mean for a young lad to come in on loan and, and make the impact he has is, is you know big big testament to him. Yeah, and of course Neil Warnock said that, that he had this really exciting player that he mm. was hoping to lend to Argyle, and mm. we can see what all the fuss is about now, can't we? You, you can. The, the the trick for him now is to make sure that he's consistently good. Um, it's great coming in and starting the way he, he has done, but he set the performance bar quite high. Now he's got to try and mm. set and meet that in as many of the uh, remaining games of the season as possible to to really you know make a, a big uh, push for our goal. And it's, it's not going to be long as well, Jack, before people wise up to well, that's what just he's what going to say. Do. Yeah, I mean, you know, just... he's come out and said that he's been practicing on cutting in onto mm. his right foot and, and having those shots, and people are going to be like, right, let's get him out onto his left foot. As Chris said, you know, you could have switched some of his goals almost, and they would have been exactly the same in different games. And even when he hit the post against Orient again, it was a very similar shot. And any manager now, will, will, I'm sure, will be aware of what Matty Kennedy can do. He was a bit of an unknown, probably, to um, opposition managers when he first arrived. But it will be interesting to see how he copes when there are players marking him. But then there are other players like Graham Carey that can then benefit possibly from more space because they're marking Matty Kennedy. So hopefully it will be better for the whole team. Yeah, well, do you think Derek Adams was right though, Chris? He came out and said that our goal was the dominant team and deserved the win. Um... Well, it was certainly the dominant team in the first 15 or 20 minutes and they, they created probably more chances um, in that period than they have done in a lot of away games all season. Um, they did lose their way after they conceded the goal in the 27th minute. And they dominated the second half in the fact that they had most of the ball. Hartlepool sat back and tried to hold on to what they had. Um, so, I, I, me personally, I think with the chances they had in the first half and the possession they had in the second half, they, they didn't deserve to lose the game. But um, certainly after conceding the first goal, they didn't trouble the key, keeper enough to really sort of turn around and say they deserved to win it. I think, you know, in the end, it was a hard-earned point. Hartlepool, as, as you know, I, it seems to be every away game you go to, you talk to the, talk to the local reporters, oh, that's the best we've played in ages. That's really been a common theme this season. When our goal goes somewhere, you talk to the opposition people and they say, oh, that's best we played for ages. Crew, Stevenage, you know, Yeovil, things like that. Um, and it, it, it shows you how hard our goal are having to work to, mm. uh, to earn every point at the moment. Well, it comes with the territory, I suppose. Of course it does. Being the team at the top it, of the it, table. It, of course, it, course it does. It? But it, it's, it's just striking that, you know, before the game, you talk to the local reporters, oh, you'll win 2 or 3 nil easy today. We're rubbish, effectively. <laughs> Didn't say rubbish, but, you know, effectively. 
and then at half time and I'll go a training one nil and you, you give them an old fashioned look and uh, um, but that's the way it is you know when you're when you're when you're at the top of any division the opposition are always going to raise their game against you. So yeah. the thing that I no- notice is it was put out that it was the first draw of the season away from home first since against Portsmouth last year and it shows how far I've come now that a draw away from home is almost seen as dropping points you know a couple of years, seasons ago Argyle would have done anything from a point away from home so yeah. it goes to show just how much Jack Adams has brought the team on on the road indeed um, plenty of questions from um, our listeners this week so we'll crack through with uh, some of them, some of those starting with Dave Searle he say, he's asking do you think that the last two results have reflected the changes in Argyle's personnel and do you think the new players need bedding in uh, well the new players are, uh, are bedding in quite well I think well, Matt um, Kennedy certainly betting in. Uh, you know, Nathan Nathan Blissett hasn't hasn't played a great deal in the last couple of games, but uh, and Sasevich obviously didn't play on Saturday. But I, I think the new players have betted in pretty well, to be honest. Um, have the results uh, been as good as you would have hoped after the exit of the game? No, of course everyone would have uh, been hoping for maybe four points from those two games. Uh, I think a win against Orienton and then a draw against Hartlepool would have been perfectly acceptable, wouldn't it? But. Um, the, the, you're in one. You're going to get games like that in the course of a season, where you know, for no real obvious reason, it all goes horribly wrong at the end of the game. Um, so, I think that the new players are fitted in pretty well. So, all things considered, I, I don't think that's an issue in terms of picking up one point from two games. No, I'd agree, Jack. You agree with that? Well, they've all done done their job in terms of scoring. I don't think I can't remember the last time I got brought in so many players that got off to such a good goal scoring start. Sarsavich has got two. Kennedy's got three, Taylor's got one, and set up quite a few. Even Sokolik has scored, you know, scored a goal. So they're all contributing. I, I agree, but I think the results sometimes, as we've said in every league, bottom teams are fighting for. Everyone's fighting for something at this stage mm. of the season, really. So that that shows how competitive these leagues are, where every team, I think, has still got something to fight for. Yeah, indeed. Uh, another question from Edward Blackburn, who's um, commenting on David Fox, who I think we'd all agree has been a real standout player for our goals so far this season. Uh, David Fox's influence has been impressive. If Argyle had signed Alan Smith last season, might Argyle have gone up? It's a good question, I think, Chris. Yes, I suppose if that's and maybe he was he was linked with Argyle, wasn't he? he came yeah. down and um, we, we had that picture taken by a, a fan, didn't we, of him being shown around the Royal <laughs> William Yard by uh, Derek Adams, and um, he ended up staying at Notts County, didn't he? So um, I think you know, David, you, you can't. It doesn't have to do any harm at all to have a bit of experience dotted around the team. You know, you can have young, exciting players and, and whatever, but even David Fox is a sort of calming presence in, in midfield. And, and, you know, he's done a really good job. You know, you, you think that um, Crew released him at the end of last season. I think it, from talking to him, it, it was a move that didn't really work out for both parties and it, it made sense for them to, to go their separate ways. But he's come in and, you know, 33, I think he is, and... He's played most of the games this season and, and been a really steady performer. So he, he, he has been impressive, no doubt about that. Yeah, and Edward's also asking, do you foresee Fox being offered a player-coach role in the close season? Um, well, as things stand, I think Derek Adams has got the sort of staff he would want with Craig Brewster and Paul Watson. Could I see David Fox being a player-coach um, uh, at some point? Yes, whether that's at Argyle or not, who knows? Um, he strikes me as a type of guy who thinks about his football quite deeply. And obviously his uh, dad was a manager at Exeter City, wasn't he? So, um, 
yeah, wouldn't be at all surprised if, if he went down the football yeah. management, football coaching route at some point. But at, at 33, I guess, you know, he's still in that sort of I, player mentality. Uh, so maybe uh, just doing a bit of work with the academy just to get a bit of might, yeah, experience that might, that might be a, a good idea. But, you know, 33, but, you know, on what I've seen this season, he, he looks as though he's still got a bit more football left in him yet. Yeah, you've been impressed with um, David Foxer? You can tell he's come from quite a, a, quite a good background, I think. He's a very calm head on the ball. He can pass well. He can. He's, he just sets up space, and he, his, his partnership with whoever he's played with in central midfield has developed and, and worked quite well. And more recently, he's been having some cracking shots and goal, and some just whizzed just past the post, or some of the keepers had to stretch. Guess especially against Exeter, he was well up for that game. So he's got a shot on him, and I think his free kicks as well have been something that Argyle have been able to intertwine with Graham Carey's free kick taking. So I think he's got a lot of skills, and um, whether he be player coach, I think he's still definitely good enough to be just a player for another few years yeah yeah thanks for that question Edward um, another one from Morgan Lewis how would you view Argyle's run into the end of the season and would you say that the form Argyle are on now is good enough to go up of course massive game on Saturday now Chris away at Luton yeah and, and the away games are going to be quite telling um, because Argyle have got a lot of the top teams in and around them to play away from home obviously Doncaster Rovers is going to be uh, on the TV um, in late March uh, and they're off to Luton on um, on Saturday, as you say, uh, Portsmouth away, Wickham away, Mansfield away. So they're going to have to go to some teams that are trying to get in the playoffs or automatic promotion and try and get some results. So, you know, away from home, they've got some tough, tough ones. At home park, if you look at it on paper, they've got some games that are eminently winnable. But as we saw against Leighton Orient yeah. last week, you know, I'm going into football cliche territory, but you know there is no, there isn't an easy game. No. Um, so the run in to the season, the, the the away fixtures are a challenge, but then again, Argyle's form away from home has been really good this season. So you know that shouldn't hold any fears for them. The form they're on now is it good enough to go up? It's a bit up and down at the moment, but you know they they have won. I think it's four games in 2017, might be five. I can't remember off the top of my head, but. Uh, their um their form is is good enough. If they carry on winning, if they win one out of every next two games, they'll be fine. So well, they've got fifteen to go, seven or eight wins out of that. I I think we'll we'll, we'll do it. Yeah, Jack, would you agree? The best thing about playing teams around you is that you, it's in your own hands, isn't yeah. it? You've got a chance Taking to points off them as well as we've seen recently. You know, if, if if someone had told me before the Exeter, Leighton Orient, and Hartlepool game that we would have got one win, that would have been against Exeter. I wouldn't have believed them. You know, it's it, I, I don't necessarily think that where they are on the table necessarily matters. But as Chris said, away from home, Argyle been very good this this year. So I I think I'd rather be playing those teams away than actually at home park. Yeah, and as you say, Chris, the the league is so unpredictable. I mean, Luton lost at home to Cheltenham a couple of weeks ago, which goes to show you. It is just such a crazy, yeah. crazy division. This so this season more than more than any. I think. I mean, you you just look at some teams, you think, oh, they're falling, or they're not going to do this, that, and the other, and then you can't, they pull out a surprise result out of nowhere. It's well, amazing. On Saturday, Carlisle were the only team in the top seven to win a game, which just yeah. goes to show how how tough this league is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one one sort of thing I've noticed with our golf fans is that they don't seem particularly happy, should we say, with Derek Adams continually playing with one up front, and uh, we've had a question from Paul Baker who's asking that exact question really. Why do Argyle insist on playing one player up front? Uh, he said Derek Adams changed it on Saturday and it changed the course of the game. Derek Adams' philosophy as a manager is is based around that 4-2-3-1 formation yeah. he plays. He, he varies it and tweaks it every now and then, but that's how he believes um, 
is best suited to, to Argyle winning games. And you have to say over the 18 months or so that he's been at Argyle, they've won a lot more games than they've lost. So you, you, you can't turn around and say that system isn't working. Um, you, you have to be flexible at times as well as a manager though. And I, I don't think that you, you need to just stick to something just for the sake of it. But I think with the players that Argyle have got in their squad, and particularly now after the January signings, if you play Ryan Taylor down the middle and then you've got a trio of, and then pick from Sarsovic, Kennedy, Carey, Jervis, Slew, Tanner, and have them playing in behind a, a Ryan Taylor, who has also got competition from Jimmy Spencer and Nathan Blissett, I, I, me personally, I, I, I can see the merits for, for playing that and continuing with that formation. Mm. Um, he did change it in the second half against Hartlepool. He put Jimmy Spencer on up front after an hour and put him up with Ryan Taylor. That to me says, you know, you do have to be flexible. So I think he showed a bit of flexibility in tactics there. You also have to bear in mind as well that Hartlepool were 1-0 up and they were definitely of the mindset they were going to try and hold 1-0 and they didn't really show too much intent to go forward. So the substitution maybe changed the game a bit, but Hartlepool's approach to the game changed a bit as well. They got into defence mode and, and holding on to what they got. And it was interesting, once Argyle got the equaliser and you thought Argyle might go on and, and get a second goal, I think you could possibly make the case that Hartlepool looked more likely to score the winning goal in the end because having been pegged back, they actually went on the attack a bit more and Louis Alessandro had a fantastic chance right at the death to have, uh, to have won it. So I, I personally would I can see exactly why Derek Adams plays the one up front and with Ryan Taylor there now, I think it's... He's a, he's a good player to have playing in that position. Um, Andrew Chapman added to that question, saying, saying more specifically, uh, why does Derek Adams insist on playing one player up front at home? It's just horses for courses, isn't it, Chap? Well, the last two home games, Argyle scored five goals, so I don't know if you can really moan too much about what's going on there. I think possibly before Ryan Taylor arrived, I could have maybe seen more of a case for, to have two up front, because I don't think any of the players that were playing in that role was particularly working for them. I think... Taylor's been very good since he's come in and he's setting up these these three behind him so to me it doesn't matter that he's playing one up front at home or away I think you've got to do what you can to try and beat the team and also Argyle being in the top seven for the whole, almost the whole time that Derek Adams has been manager yeah. I think sometimes Argyle fans get a bit impatient and are not happy we've been in the top three for most of the season I think people should by now have faith in Derek Adams and just, just have a bit of calm and just realise that Things aren't going too badly. The problem is that the fans uh, are sat there thinking, oh, could we end up sliding down the table like we did last season? And, and there's no guarantees that won't happen. But Derek Adams would have learnt from what happened last season. And it's a pretty much a completely new set of players. So what happened last season doesn't have any relevance to them. But, but also, um, why would you put, you know, the argument is to put two up front at home. But if you've, if you've scored five goals in the last two home games, what's mm. the need for an extra man up front? Well, the, the, you know, I think football fans generally don't always understand that. So it, you mm. hear it all the time. Get people forward it's not necessarily about having a number of strikers on the pitch you've still got to get the ball into the strikers in order to create and score the chances and also I've got the players that can have a shot from outside the box mm. Sarsovic Carey Kennedy they can all shoot from outside the box you don't always need to have three or four players which possibly over the last few years when I've got haven't had that that talent behind the front players they have needed players in the box but I think we've got the players now where you don't need necessarily to have that many people the I thing is, is if Ryan Taylor for example whoever it is can lead the line, hold the ball up, link the play up, and take up two centre backs. Then you've got else. the two full backs who are having to deal with Kennedy, mm. Sarsovic, Carey, and, and whoever. So you've got 
you're outnumbering the fullbacks, or you've got one on ones against the fullbacks. Now, if you've got Matt Kennedy on what we've seen so far running at a fullback one on one, that's a good situation for Argyle to be in. So, you know, you pose your money, you take your choice, but I, I, I think on, on balance, and like Jack said, five. Five goals in the last two home games isn't too shabby, is it? And also, it's just—it's an easy thing to say. Oh, we sh- if we shove more people up front, we would have won the game. But you could have conceded two goals in that time. Yeah. You know, it's not—it's yeah, yeah. not always. It's easy to say afterwards we should have shoved more people up front. But when yeah. you're actually in the game, that isn't always the most sensible option. No, good talking point. It's it always a good talking point. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, one final question, then, John Lloyd. What effect will Graham Carey's apparent drop in form have on our goals running? I personally thought he was very good in the Devon Derby, actually. Yeah. And what was the, the game? All the games blur into one. There was a game where he set up the goal where he won 1-0 away. Was that, which game was that? Cambridge. Cambridge, yeah. So I think he's been a bit better recently. Um, as I said in the last week's podcast, I think having like some Matty Kennedy and Sarsovic in the team will help give Graham Carey more space. And I think having players of that ability around him will make him up his game. I, I think last season there was far too much resting on Graham Carey's mm. shoulders. It was almost like the promotion like bid was, was, was on, on for him. And I think this year it's not necessarily... And the fact that we're still scoring goals and scoring from set pieces without necessarily Graham Carey being at the best is, is a good thing. Yeah, Andrew yeah. Chapman's added again with um, more to the point for the second successive season. Why does Graham Carey appear to be a half-season player? I think. Well, I think last season... He obviously was injured in uh, at the yeah. end of November and was out for two or three months. I think he was probably rushed back a bit sooner than would have been ideal because, as Jack says, he he was so such an important player. Um, and this season, you know, yeah, he's had his ups and downs. He, I thought he'd had a couple of good games recently. Um, I can't say Hartlepool was one of his better games. It looked to me like he was he was trying almost trying too hard. He was trying desperately to to make the killer pass and and, and be the the player we all know he's capable of, and sometimes in football matches, if it's weird, if you try too hard, it almost makes things worse. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. Um, uh, he's he's a very good player. He set his standards very high. He's got a very high um, sort of target that we all expect him to achieve, and you know sometimes he doesn't. But you know, there's no doubt that he will be a, a very important player for Argyle over these last 15 games, and. I, I, have, I have no doubts that, um, that he'll finish the season strong. I think in some ways he's been a victim of his own success. You know, a bit like Matty Kennedy, you, when you come in and you set the bar as high as Chris just said, if you're not playing to 9 and 10 out of 10 each week, fans suddenly think, well, what's going on here? Why aren't you playing yeah. so well? Whereas you've got the likes of Jordan Slew or Jake Jervis. If they're playing how Carey is playing, that would be deemed almost an acceptable performance. So I think, I in a way... I would say about Graham Carey that I noticed particularly in the Cambridge game away from home, but in, in general, is that he's not one of these that... that uh, that just worries about the attacking. He does a lot of work defensively that I don't think he always gets the credit and recognition that he, he does. He's prepared to track back, he's prepared to make tackles. Um, he, he does the dirty side of football quite well for somebody that you would think as a, in an inverted commas, flair player. Yeah. Um, so um, I, I think that shouldn't be overlooked as well. Yeah, he's not someone that goes missing either. You know, as you say, it wasn't working out for him at Hartlepool on Saturday, but he didn't go hiding, no, he was still demanding the ball no, and no, looking to get things going. Uh, so as we say then, our goal away at Luton on Saturday, it's, it's funny Chris, we've spoken so much about the parallel or the similarities to 2003 and of course Luton were our goal's big mm. title rivals back in, uh, sorry 2002 wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. Um, not quite the title rivals this time but another promotion rival so um, it's all geared up to be a nice day out at Kenilworth Road. <laughs> well, it, I mean... Kenilworth Road is a very atmospheric <laughs> place if you've not been there before. Argyle, I'm sure, will have 
a very sizable sport in that stand um, where you have to go in through somebody's front door to get to. <laughs> it's not quite like that if you've not been to Kenilworth Road, but it's a bit like it that. It's very anyway. much like that. Um, yeah. And it, it will be a really good atmosphere. There'll be a big crowd. Luton, um, like Argyle, will definitely feel that they uh, should be in a higher division than League Two. Um, they've got a good manager in Nathan Jones, and they've got some good players. They won at um, Home Park, didn't they, the first day of the season, 3 0. And, and, you know, after that game, I think we were all thinking, well, they'd be uh, definite promotion contenders. They're not a million miles off it. They've had a couple of good um, results recently. They, they, they pushed Doncaster all the way up at the Keepmoat Stadium on, on Saturday and ended up drawing 1 1. It, it's going to be a tough game, but, you know. You look at, say, Hartlepool, and the way that Hartlepool fought for every ball in that game, Luton won't fight any harder than Hartlepool did in that game. You know, there's, there's ability that comes into it as well, but, you know, it won't be an any harder physical test than it was against Hartlepool, and, and Argyle have got, got a good away record. Um, I suppose if you look at it objectively, and if you offer people a point against the team in fourth place, I'm looking at Jack and I think he's going to agree with me. You know, that wouldn't be a bad result. Do you, would you be happy with a point, Jack? I would. I think I think Luton have shown they've got a lot of talent in their in their sort of locker. I've got very good memories of Kenilworth Road, actually. I remember, obviously, growing up as an Argyle fan, you come to Home Park for the first few times. And you, you, that's As you see it, that is your football stadium. And then you go to an away game. And I remember going away to Luton when I was quite young. And I'm, I also remember asking my dad, well, I can't see the stadium, where is it? And we're walking down this street and then all of a sudden houses stop and there is the turnstiles and you walk through up the stairs and you look overlooking everyone's gardens it's yeah. very surreal so I'm, I'm I, yeah I've got good memories of Kenilworth Road they make some noise there though it is, yeah, it is. That's it's a, sounds that, 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 that home end opposite where the away fans end is the biggest stand or goes back a long way yeah. and I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what it will be a cracking atmosphere on the Saturday I'm looking forward to it be a, two, two teams that will play football yeah. In a compact ground, but they will have lots of atmosphere. It, it will be a, it will be a good occasion. Yeah, a good if you're not a Luton person. fan and you're living in that street trying to watch the TV, I wouldn't fancy a chance <laughs> this weekend. <laughs> and of course, Luton have got Isaac Vassell, who's been mm. doing really well for them. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure he'll want to show some Argyle fans what what he's got in his locker mm. as well. So it'll be interesting. I think it's a big game and. People have labelled Argos bottlers in the past. I think they proved this year they're not. They've had some fantastic performances on the road, and anything but a defeat will think be a good result on on Saturday. Yeah, indeed. Well then, guys, it's time to get back to work. I'm afraid. Uh, thanks for joining us on the show this week. Uh, thanks to you out there for all of your questions. We'll be back again next week. We we're actually hoping to have our gold chief executive Martin Starnes on the show. So uh, hopefully we can get that shored up and confirmed this week. And Martin will be with us on the podcast next Monday. Thanks for listening. Bye. We are always happy to hear from you, and if you have any questions for our panel, please tweet them to our Twitter account, at HeraldPAFC, or visit our Facebook page, Plymouth Argyle The Herald. Thanks for listening.